I guess the first thing I want to say is uh, this week will mark quite an, a special occasion in our lives. So on Wednesday, we'll be married for 20 years. So, so I just want to say, I just want to give honor to my wife who's been standing next to me and who's helped me and been a real wonderful blessing in my life. So thank you, darling. And um, yeah, so, uh, so tonight I'm going to, you can text him. Thank you so much. So tonight I'm going to be speaking a bit about what God has been speaking in my life. And really it's been, he's been speaking to me about marriage and the importance of marriage and what it, what it means. And so the first thing, I guess, what I want to say is, firstly, before I'm anything else, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child in his house. I'm a, I'm a fellow saint. So I'm, I'm just like everyone else. I'm trying to find my way in, and hearing God's voice every day for myself and for my family. And... Um, so when God speaks to me, and he's been speaking to me, obviously, during the week and the last couple of weeks, and how do I, how do I see marriage, and, and what's it about, and, and what does it mean? And um, So he's been showing me a couple of things, and I, and I really wanted to bring that to you guys tonight and to explain to you what I've been hearing the Lord say, and I think it's for me, but I do think it's for us as well. So I'm going to be speaking about marriage, but there might be people here who are not married, and, and so why should you even listen? Why don't you just leave the door, you know? I think it's important that we hear God's heart of marriage because I think if we see a good marriage, we're going to, and hopefully I can explain it well, hopefully if you can see a good marriage, you'll be able to see something of God on earth, something that he has designed, something that he's put on earth for us to see that is actually something good and it's something holy. So for the young people, it's something to aspire to. It's something to, to want one day to, to look for a, a husband or a wife who is who's not only going to love the Lord with you, but he's going to actually propel you and take you somewhere further. So, and yeah, and for unmarried people, it's, it's, a, it's just it's a picture of what God is actually doing on earth and how he's actually going to, how we're going to actually live with him one day, um, yeah, one day, one day in heaven. So God instituted marriage. That was his idea. Wasn't, it wasn't our idea, and, and it's been it's something that I believe it's, it's the closest intimate f intimacy that we're going to have on earth before we get into heaven uh, with, with Jesus one day. So the, if we are in a holy marriage, we act, that's the, the, the intimacy that we experience in that marriage is going to be the closest we ever get to, to what we're going to experience one day. And, and it's, it's, it's something of a heart of wonder that God has got put into marriage that is really special, that we can find in this togetherness and hopefully i'll explain that and we can break that down a bit further um but as we know everything of god there's always a counterfeit and there's always something that 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 the enemy is trying to break and um currently the the world is really under in our modern world and i believe it's been like that for forever but marriage is under attack today like it's never been before and there's something there's something about a breakdown of the societal norms that we've known for thousands of years that is starting to break down. And when you break down marriage, you're actually starting to break down the fiber of society, the very thing that society is actually built on and, and something that has been built, uh, marriage is like the cornerstone of what, is, what society has really been built around for many, many years. So just some statistics. In South Africa, four out of 10 marriages end in divorce before 10 years have passed. The total number of people getting married has steadily fallen from 2011 to 2020. So people are getting married. They're not getting married anymore. They don't see the importance of getting married. The number of people has fallen from uh, 2011 to 2019 by 22.5% and another 31.1% in 2020. 
Now, I guess 2020 was COVID, so I guess a lot of people didn't get married because of because of that. But it's the, the trend has been going down, and it, and COVID even damaged marriage even further, and um, because people didn't get married, they just cohabitate now. So that's, that's those are just some statistics about marriage. But what is the impact of growing up in a household that is broken, that you don't have a father, that you don't have a mother and a father working together? Um, maybe I'll speak about that in a bit. One fifth of all children in South Africa do not live with their parents, do not live with one of their parents. Um, by comparison, we have about one third of all, of all kids in South Africa. So one in every third child actually lives with both parents. Most children, however, live with only their mothers, which is about 42% of, of, of South Africa. And a much, much smaller percentage, only about 4% live only with their father. So um, that's, uh, yeah, then I'm not exactly sure of the reason, but that is, is a very telling statistic. Um, and some statistics from the United States, I wasn't able to find more of this in so in for South Africa, but studies show that nearly 70% of inmates, people in prison, grew up in a household that didn't, that was a broken household, so they didn't have both parents in, uh, at your home. Only 13% of juveniles in prison grew up with both parents. So that means, uh, what's that, 87% of people, in, of juveniles, were in a broken home, a home without a father. So research has clearly shown that growing up in a home without a father has such a significant impact on, on the kids that it actually changes their, their, um, their brain structure and the chemistry within their brain um, because they're not being, being brought up well. So we need to look after marriage because these are the results of a broken home. These are the results of broken families. This, this is the result of not living to God's, God's, uh, God's pattern. So I believe marriage is a picture of the Trinity, of how God loves, loves us and how Jesus loves God and how the Holy Spirit um, submits to even both the Father and the Son. So Ethan, if you can put up Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. It's a bit of a long passage, guys. So I wonder if you could, if you have your Bible with you, if you guys don't mind just getting your Bible out and turning with me to Ephesians 5, 22. So, it's, so this is probably one of the most unpopular scriptures in the Bible. But I think it's misunderstood. And I think if we understand this, we're going to see the beauty of this. So I'm really hoping that I'm going to get this across as, as God has been showing to me lately. So it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, so that she might be holy and without blemish. And I think in this, okay, let's go there. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I'm saying this, that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So family in Christ, always uh, home, always starts with 
with a man, with God who's the husband and who's the head of the home. In Genesis, we see that God first created man and then he created wife, the, the wife. So the husband is the head and the wife is there to be the helpmeet, to help him in what he's doing. I think in modern times, we might think that the wife is there and this is the perception that people might have, that the wife is there to help. She must just do the dishes and clean up and do everything. But I think it goes a lot, lot deeper than that. The wife is there to help make good decisions. The wife is there to be, be a godly inspiration to the husband, to, to help him in, in his spiritual walk as well, not just in the, in the daily run-of-the-mill things, which I think that's where society will look at this scripture and say, oh, yes, this is just purely a, just a, purely a doormat, a floor mat or something to that, to that effect. So as we read there as well, you might not be married, but this also implies to the church. This also applies to the church. So we also see the picture of the church in this, of how the husband loves the wife and the wife submits to the husband and how Christ submits to the father and then loves the church and then the church submits to, the, um, to Jesus. So what's the point of marriage? I've heard it say that the point of marriage is for the kids. Yes, I think the kids are something that happens in marriage that, that is a fruit of the marriage, but the marriage is not for the kids. Well, it is for the kids, but there's something more important than, than the kids themselves because you need to have a holy and a, and a relationship uh, with each other before the kids should come into this marriage. What I'm saying is the picture of the husband loving the wife and the wife submitting to the husband is almost a picture of, of God himself, and of the trinity of God. And if you have the Holy Spirit in that mix, so the husband loving the wife and the, the wife submitting to the husband with, in, in, together with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding them, it actually becomes a picture of the trinity. It's obviously not the trinity, but hopefully we can start getting there. I'm preaching this to you guys, but I am myself learning. I'm myself, after 20 years, still getting there. I make mistakes. I bundle it up sometimes, but... I hopefully I have some form of uh, victory in this time. But I'm still learning myself. It's not that I'm saying I'm perfect. So we're going to have a quick three looks at uh, three points that we're going to look um, about love. Firstly, love as action. Then we're going to have a look at love as submission. Then we're going to have a look at how love works in unity. So firstly, point one, love in action. So we, we often hear that, um, we often hear that, the old, the new is hidden in the old, and no, sorry, the new is hidden in the old, and the old is revealed in the new. I always get that one a bit tongue-tied. So what that really means is, in the Old Testament, we'll see Jesus actually being shown in the Old Testament, and he's hidden in the scriptures there, and then he gets revealed to us in the New Testament. Um, as uh, so, him who's always been there, the old is revealed in the New Testament, in the New World, and uh, in the New, sorry, in the New Testament. So. Love in action, love is often seen as a sentimental thing, and it's like this airy-fairy love thing in the air, and it's, it's emotions. And, but love is a lot more than emotions. It's, it's actually, love is actually action. And hopefully I'm going to show you how, love, how God loves. So in the Old Testament, and this is what I'm trying to talk about, the old, old hidden in the new and all of that, so let's go to the Old Testament. If we read, for 40 years, the Israelites were wandering around the desert. And it's almost like you could look at that and say, well, how could God love these people and let them wander around the desert for 40 years? But we forget that 
they were disobedient and they actually didn't want to go into the promised land. So he said, you're going to wander around. But even in that time, he was looking after them. He was caring for them. He was giving them food. He was giving them quail and water. And one of the interesting stories is, uh, I hope I get his name right, Balaam. Uh, just before they went into the, into the promised land, when they crossed the Jordan River, there was this, um, this priest, I guess, wizard dude, who was busy, who was being, who was paid by, um, who was being paid by one of the other uh, tribes to actually curse uh, the Israelites. And as he got onto this mountain and he tried to start cursing the Israelites, um, God changed his mouth and he could only speak blessing over them. So even from that point of view, God is looking and caring for his people. He's even not letting people curse his people um, because he's looking, for, he's looking over them and he's loving them in that way. He's leading and guiding them through the desert as they go with a, uh, with a uh, pillar of fire and the, and the cloud at night. Sorry, other way around. <laughs> so God will honor our choice if we are like the Israelites and we choose not to follow him and not to go into the, uh, into the, into, into the promised land with him at the, at the right time. He'll, he will honor our choice and say, if that's what you want, he'll do that. He won't push us into that. But he actually loves us in action. So he does these things in action and he loves us. Next is... Um, uh, hopefully you guys know this by now, but God's love language is obedience. God loves obedience. Um, so if you can put up Deuteronomy uh, 30 verse 10 for us, thanks. So now the Hebrew word for, for listen is actually, a, it's actually a, a verb. So when you listen, you're supposed to not only listen, but you're supposed to act as well. You're supposed to actually take what you've heard and actually put it into practice. So we read in, in Deuteronomy uh, about love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. So when you listen to God's voice and you, you listen and you obey at the same time. So what we see in, in this is we have the voice and we're listening and we're obeying. And as we listen and we obey, we love God. And as we love God, he loves us back. And it's actually this whole cycle of, of, um, of love that goes on and, and this love cycle grows and grows and and. And the more we listen, the more we obey, the more we love, and, and the, the cycle just grows and, and continues. So now we're going to have a look at John 3.16. Again, probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Um, and this is really how Jesus shows his love for us, right? How God shows his love for us. Rather. Again, this is love in action. So sometimes we read this verse, and it says, For God so loved the world, and we read that as... God was so madly in love, infatuated with the world, that he gave his only son. But I think it's a little bit more than that. I think it's more than just being infatuated. And God does love us, and he, does, he is crazy about us, and he, we are the apple of his eye. But what I read into that, as I read that, is for God so loved the world, comma. So if I could put it in a different way, it would be God loved the world in this way. In this way, he acted out his love, and he gave his only begotten son. So again, it's love in action. He's actually actioning his love for us. He, so God saw something and he did something about us. He did something in love to help us. So I guess the question to me is, after reading Ephesians 5, men, how are you loving your wives? How are you loving your wives? Have you laid your own desires down? Have you put your own desires down, put your desires down and laid them down at God's feet? I needed to stop pursuing some of my own interests when I got married. There were things I needed to do 
that were no longer the best for us as a family, the best, the best for us as a couple. So I needed to stop doing certain things. I was, I was at a time probably enjoying going out and I still had a lot of friends at the time and I guess I needed to learn that my wife would comes before those things and I needed to lay down the things that I enjoyed doing for my wife so that we could spend time together and grow and love each other. So men, are we, are we looking after our wives? Are we loving our wives as well as what we can? Are we doing what God did and laid the thing that he loved the most, he laid that down for his people? Point two, and point two leads on from point one. Point two is really about love and submission. Now we read in Ephesians 5 as well about submission, the wife submitting to the husband. But I, I think it really actually starts with the husband submitting to Christ. So first the husband submits to Christ. First the husband needs to submit himself and then he's able to love his wife. It doesn't say it there, but we need to submit our own lives to Christ. Again, we read as well that God made uh, Ephesians 5.23 um, God made man the head of home. Love your, love your wife as God loves the church. So submission is again as mentioned earlier, submission is not like a a doormat for someone to walk over and to run over but it's a choice so to choose to submit is a choice that you can that you can have you can choose either to submit or to not not to submit the other thing I would like to say here is that men and women are different they are equal but different we just simply have different roles Kiman is nodding because he knows all about that so Kiman and, and Nikita are doing a, a I forgot to mention that. They're doing the, the uh, marriage prep course with us, and we're walking through that with them as well. Figuring out what is my role in this thing? What is, what, is, what makes, we're not the same, we're different, but we need, to, we need to fill that role that God has given us. So, as I said earlier, we need to follow Jesus, and Jesus is the perfect example of submission. So if we read in Luke 22, 42, maybe we can read that together. So this is just before the soldiers come and, and Jesus is in the garden and Jesus is sitting there in the garden and he is waiting to be taken away. He knows what's coming. And he says there, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Interesting in the, in the Lord's Prayer, which he prayed probably a few months before this, I guess. He also says, not for your will be done on earth as it is in heaven forever and ever. Anyway, that was a bit of a rabbit hole, side note. It's just very interesting that, that he's saying, even in that, not, not my will, but your will. So here we can catch a, catch a small glimpse of the heart of Jesus. Here he's saying he's literally sweating blood. I don't think he agreed with God at that point. Well, if I read it cold, I can see he's saying, God, the Father, I, Lord, if there's any way, if there's any way, let's, let's not do it this way. But he says, your will be done. So he is choosing in that point to submit himself even unto death. It's not something that I felt he wanted to do. Yes, he did want to do it. You hear me right? But it's not something that he's saying, Lord, if I could find any other way, let's do it in that way. So Jesus gives us the perfect example of submission. So men, again, I'm picking on the men a bit tonight. We can't force our wives into submission. So what are you doing? How are you treating your wife? Are you treating her well? Are you giving her the opportunity to submit to you? So we see um, Hosea's wife in the Old Testament and his wife, Gomer. She was very promiscuous, to put it lightly. 
But you see, he continued to love his wife even after she was unfaithful to him over and over and over again. So men, it doesn't go about how well my wife is treating me. We have been asked to love our wives. And because we submit first to God, we are able to love our wives. So this is a picture of God's forgiveness towards us as well. So we need to forgive our wives and ourselves as, as God forgives us. And our wives, I guess, on the other hand, are you submitting to your husband as God has asked us to do? Are you submitting to God? Ideally, the husband should love his wife, right? And it would be easy to submit to somebody that's loving you and caring for you. But even if he doesn't, are you as a wife submitting to your husband? Um, I know of a story of a lady who's, who became saved and her husband wasn't saved. He wanted nothing to do with God. And he, he was really angry with her and he was really just fighting with her the whole time and they were arguing all the time. And um, she, she asked God, what do I do? And, and God just said to her, love your husband, submit to your husband. And he, she continuously just submitted. And, and the more angry he got, the more she submitted. And the more he was like, what's this Jesus thing and all of that. And she just loved him and continued loving him. And eventually, the man broke down and he gave in and he said, I can't stand this anymore. I don't understand this. And he actually gave his heart to the Lord. So that is the role. That is what we need to do. We need to submit ourselves. So I'm not, so I'm not saying we should submit and we should just be a doormat, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm not saying if there's abuse or something like that, but we, we ignore that. So please hear me rightly. Um, but I am saying in things, we should submit to our husbands. So it's just beautiful that someone is actually able to, um, to use kindness and submission to actually change somebody's heart. I think it's pretty difficult to do that. But in the Bible, it also says that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. And that, I believe, is something that, that, was, uh, that led this man to repentance. Now, if we have a look at love and unity, the third and the last point. It's very interesting that um, in the Hebrew tradition, before a man went to war, or sorry, after a man got married, he wasn't allowed to go into war for one year. And that was so that he could build a relationship with his wife and build a home and to build unity with his wife. So it's very interesting that God even puts things like that in place to, to care for us. But let's have a look at Genesis 1.26. And it says, um, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over all flesh of the sea, etc., etc. The point here is, let us make man in our image. Now, when I read that statement there, I don't know who came up with the idea. Was it the Father, was it the Son, or was it the Spirit? So what we're seeing there is God the Head saying, let us make man in our image. We, don't, we assume that it is the Father that came up with the idea, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it was the Father. One day, we, I guess, we'll find out. But the point I'm trying to make here is, once they had made a decision, it was not no longer the Father says, but now it was, let us do this together. They had come to a point of unity. Jesus and the Holy Spirit submitting to the Father, let us take this on further. Let us make man in our image. Suddenly it was no longer a decision of one, but it was a decision of unity and togetherness. And this is, believe, is how we should behave in marriage. When we, when we come into a decision in marriage, it should not be the husband's just calling the shots, etc., etc. But it should be, the, as we were saying earlier, the wife is the helpmeet. 
she should come with her ideas and come with her gifts and come with those things that she has. Lay them down at the feet of her husband. And then, when they make a decision, let's say they've got a big decision to make, to buy a house, to buy a car, whatever the case is, and they make that decision, it should be a decision that's made. All the facts are laid on the table, they come together. The man, in, in, in the end, the husband needs to make the final decision. But all the information needs to come together. And once they make the decision, it is, we have decided, this is us, and they're going to take that decision forward. Rather than coming a year later down the line and the wife says, well, you always do what you want to do, blah, blah. You know, that is the wrong way of doing it. The good way of doing it is making a decision. And even if the wife does not 100% agree at that point, she lays it down and says, this is us and we're taking that thing forward. Because that is the picture that we see of Jesus laying his life down as well and saying, Lord, if there's any other way, but your will be done, not mine. So we don't hold grudges. We don't, make, uh, we don't go to our friends and chit-chat about it to other, to other people. But when we leave that conversation, it is we as a family have decided this. Husband and wife have decided this. So again, picking on the men, you guys know that we're going to be judged on the decisions that we make. If our wives come to us and they lay something down and they say, here is some information, here is something that I would like us to do, or this is something I think is good, what a wife should do is she should go and she should give it to her husband. And then it's up to the husband to take that further as the head of the home. And one day we're going to be judged for that. So take it seriously. Take it seriously. We're going to be judged for what we did or did not do. He will ask us one day, how did you look after my daughter? And we're going to have to answer that. We're going to have to stand in front of the king of all heaven, someone, the, the being who created heaven and earth, and we're going to have to, to have to stand before him and answer his question, how did you love my daughter? How did you treat her? Did you listen to her when she gave the words to you? So unity and submission play together. But I think unity is really a heart attitude of how we take. So after submission, we then say, I submit to you, and then the unity is really built when we sub when we have that heart submission of we do it together. So coming to land, I see this love and the submitting forms a circle, it, almost like we spoke about earlier. The husband is submitted to, to, to God. He loves his wife and his wife comes back and she submits to him. And in a loving way, she submits to him and then he loves her back and, and it forms a circle. And in a similar way, you've got God the Father, Jesus God the Father who loves his son and the son submits to the father and the father and loves the father back and it forms a circle. So hopefully you can see that this picture is similar to the Trinity that we have and we see this picture the same in marriage and that is why it's important. The Holy Spirit is also there with us to help us and to bind us. So we as a husband and a wife are married but we also have the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and we should not forget that. What it, so the question I guess is what if the husband is not a good husband and he's not leading well? What does the wife do then? I believe you continue with what God told you to do and continue to submit. Just as, um, just as that lady I was speaking about earlier. What if you're a husband and your wife is not submitting to you? What do you do then? Again, just like Hosea, you continue to love her and you continue to forgive her. So I think we see the cycle, right? So I haven't spoken about the counter cycle. So if the husband is not loving the wife and he's treating her harshly, he doesn't love her. When the, when the wife is not submitting to the husband, th that is not, not loving him back. And then it kind of creates a, let me do it the other way. It creates a downward spiral 
because now suddenly these things are just getting worse and worse and worse, and they're not loving and building each other up. So you can have one spiral that is kind of go building and another spiral that is busy breaking down. So how do we break that cycle? I believe it just takes one part of the couple to decide, I'm going to do this. One part of the couple to break the cycle and actually to change the cycle to make, it, to make the cycle actually a positive cycle again. And God will help us in that. So let's break that cycle. Let's break the things where we're not loving our wives properly. If we are not submitting to our husbands properly, let break, let's break that cycle. So I've not really spoken about this in one of my notes, but I'm thinking I do need to mention it. When we are in, when we are in, a, in a good place and we bring children into the marriage in this place, that is something that is good for the children. But if we, if we bring children outside of marriage and we, we are unfaithful outside of marriage, these are the things that happen because we're not able to build this holy relationship, this, this relationship that God is actually showing us how to build, which is why we should not be doing that, at least one of the reasons. So I've kind of already told you guys about myself and how I was failing to lead my wife well a number of years ago, and I needed to really change and to shift my heart. Um, but Marie said she'd also like to share something as well. Sure, so God, so sorry. <laughs> when we started to worship today, God just spoke in my heart. I just, like, since then, I've just wrecked so sorry if I'm crying. I think it's, I just really feel God's here tonight, and I feel it's so close to his heart, this message, God, and Ellen sharing. And I think we really need to take to heart you know, the beauty of holiness and our relationship with the Lord. And I think we can we can so easily damage it. Um, and the thing I specifically wanted to share is that as as Christians specifically, a lot of times we sit at God's feet and we pray about the things that we want, our desires. And then God comes and he, he, he gives us a, it's almost like a prophetic word or something in your spirit that you know that you know that God has spoken but then there's a way that then you go to your husband and you say to him, listen, you know, I need to, you know, I feel God saying this. And he doesn't feel the same. So then we, what I found in our marriage once it happened and, and I, I just couldn't understand it because I knew that I knew God spoke to me. But God taught me to submit in that. Because he said to me, I need to submit to Nolan. And, and yet I couldn't see it because he couldn't see it. And, and, and. What happened was the enemy used it. So what happened, he came in, the enemy came in, what actually was from God, and he came in and he used this opportunity to make me strive in my heart for something that became a desire, that became almost like a selfish desire at the end that he intended to be good. So, um, and Nolan and I was, like, we were, uh, 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 the specific thing that I wanted is we wanted more children and he felt we can't, don't know, we can't have more children. And, and it was very tough for me. And it was like, I mean, it's years where I just had to lay it down and back. But every time it creeps up and that selfishness, things come in. And you go to him and say, but I feel God saying it. And I became so selfish and like so wanting to have it. And then God said to me, submit. So it was like such a difficult journey. And I felt like, but he's not, it doesn't look like he's going to God with this. He doesn't go, it doesn't look like he's going out and pray about it. So I just see this man walking and I can't see, it doesn't look like he's making an urgent thing. And I really felt it was God speaking. And, and then one day, um, friends of ours, dear friends of ours, after like, again, a time when I felt like I, I definitely heard God. And they came and they prayed for us. And they said, um, and they just prayed over Nolan. And he just, they just sh shared a picture of um, how God sees him on his knees, seeking his face for something that's very important. I was wrecked. 
I realized that day, God just said to me, who am I to judge that I feel that he didn't hear me and that he is not taking to heart seriously my, my desires? And, um, and it was so, it, it, so, it so got to me that I've really realized from that day onwards, you know, we can judge how we think our husbands appear and how their relationship is with the Lord. But in the spiritual realm, you know, I think God sees our hearts. And I just wanted to say from submission is a place where it's a heart attitude. You know, this is not a place of, you know, it's a place of you being able to, to, to just adjust your heart and your thoughts and your selfishness and your, your desires and just give it to God and just believe the best. Believe that. As Nolan was saying, he had to give account. So, yeah, so years after that, um, he did come to me to say, no, we feel we can have another, another child. So, so that was God's timing. Um, and um, yeah, it was, a, it was years of submission for me just to learn that yeah, he's the house, he's the head of the house. So thank you. Thank you. Ethan, can we have 1 Corinthians 13, verse 47? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So I guess today, firstly, let's bow our heads. Firstly, you might be here, and you don't know this God. You don't know this Trinity or this head. And I pray that I pray that you've seen a, a good a good marriage somewhere, and that you can see what I've been trying to say is, is this is something that does point to God. It's not God himself, but it's something that points to him. And perhaps you're longing for this thing. You're longing for, you're longing for love. You're longing for, um, you're longing for a partner. You're longing for a, a life with God. And, and you haven't had that opportunity just yet. So if you don't know, if you haven't accepted Jesus, if you've never invited him into your life, yeah, this is just an opportunity for you just to raise your hand and I'd love to pray with you and, and really just to invite Jesus into your life today. And anyone like that here? Wonderful. I take it all and then we know Jesus. Um, and then I'm going to speak to all of us who are in a relationship with Jesus. Do you feel sometimes that you are falling short of the example that Jesus has set to us? The example where Jesus lay, lays life down, where he was literally sweating blood to lay his life down for the will of the Father. Perhaps as we read here in 1 Corinthians 13, perhaps your heart is sometimes irritable with your spouse. Perhaps you get jealous over your spouse or maybe there's some limitations within them that you get angry about with them for and they... And, and these things are limiting your life with him. Perhaps you lose your patience with your spouse and you have an argument and you can't see the, you can't see the, the good that God is doing in their lives. And, and as Marie shared as well, that you're, you're not seeing what God is working in their lives and you realize that, that, you are actually, that you're actually limiting yourself and limiting your spouse and, and in the view that, that God has for you. So if there's anyone like that who's, Perhaps feeling tonight, I'm, I'm falling a bit short of, of the example that God said to me, that Jesus said. Maybe you guys can just rise. And I know I'm going to rise. I'm going to stand. I'm going to pray with you guys. Because I don't believe I, I, I always 
reach the goal that I would like to reach. I don't always reach the place where God wants me to be. So if you guys, if there's anyone who wants to pray with me, and then we'll just pray over this thing and uh, just ask that we, yeah, that we have the strength that God will guide us and lead us in this thing, that we can be holy with him. So thank you, Lord. Now thank you, Lord, for marriage that you have given us, that your picture of marriage is a, is a beautiful and a holy thing. And I pray this evening that we would see that it's something that you have put on our lives and something that you have that you have designed us to be, uh, designed us to live in. And, and out of that, that it would come, yeah, that you would birth uh, holiness and righteousness and that we would, that we would grow into, yeah, into loving you more. That as we love our spouse, as we submit to our, our, our spouse, that we would see, yeah, that we'd see the wonder and the mystery that you, who you are. Just a little bit of that mystery, this, that, that sliver that you have shown us of, of how to love one another and how the churches should be loving everyone. So thank you, Lord. Amen.